The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 57 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 53 in Battle Joined. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by John Buscema, inks by George Tuska, letters by Sam Rosen, and it comes to us in June of 1968. Opening with our cover, I find this cover to be fairly straightforward, really kind of par for the course for an Avengers versus X-Men issue. The white background is a little bit disappointing, and by comparison, I think I really enjoyed the cover of X-Men number 9 better, even though it's conceptually similar. X-Men number 9 just quite honestly did it a little bit better. It had a better background, a little bit more detail that I thought worked out better. This issue actually picks up where a three-issue X-Men story arc leaves off. So I'm going to go ahead and take a moment here to kind of recap that X-Men story so that we're not leaving you guys entirely in the dark. After the death of Professor X, the X-Men attempt to confront Magneto at his Atlantic Island base. Professor X believes that Magneto has returned, and we as Avengers fans know that to be the case since we actually witnessed his return. The X-Men are defeated by Magneto, Toad, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch, and held captive. Angel manages to escape and travels to warn the other Avengers that their teammates have been located. Later on, Cyclops also escapes, and while he is attempting to stop Toad, who saw him break out from informing Magneto, Cyclops ends up confronting Quicksilver. Initially, Quicksilver attempts to convince Cyclops of the righteousness of Magneto's cause, but eventually the two of them come to blows, and as an optic blast overpowers Quicksilver, the Avengers arrive just in time to see their teammate fall, with Cyclops standing over him, and so this is where we find the Avengers now, looking down on Cyclops from above, and an unconscious Quicksilver lying on the floor. Now, of course, the Avengers don't know what's happened, but they're here to hopefully rescue their wayward teammates. So the sight of Quicksilver sprawled on the floor as he is is somewhat distressing. And as the Avengers are threatening Cyclops, Cyclops doesn't wait for the Avengers to act. He starts off by firing his optic blasts at Hawkeye, and Black Panther immediately jumps to attacking Cyclops. Black Panther noticed how Cyclops has the ability to control his optic blasts using a hand motion. Basically, he has some kind of control stud in his glove that allows him to fire without bringing his hand up to his visor. However, Cyclops is not screwing around. He takes a shot at Black Panther and then blasts the ground out from under Goliath and then runs away because, quite honestly, he is pretty desperately outnumbered here. Though I have to say, I've always really been impressed by how well Cyclops is able to fight when things are on the line and he's very desperate. And this fight is a great example of that. And I also really appreciate the fact that Scott knows enough not to stick around after he has caught the Avengers off guard. The odds of him winning this fight are not in his favor, and he knows that, so he's not going to sit here and screw around. He's going to get out of the situation as quickly as he can. And I appreciate that about Scott. 
As Scott runs away, though, he thinks to himself that these can't possibly be the real Avengers because they attacked him. And he knows that Angel should have made his way to the Avengers to inform them of everything that's happened and that they found Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. So in Scott's mind, the Avengers should be showing up in order to help the X-Men not attack. As Scott is thinking this, we get a flashback to what the Avengers have witnessed, and we see Angel finally arriving in Manhattan at Avengers Mansion. Though as he does so, he passes a skydiver who is kind of confused as to what exactly he has just seen. It's an odd little diversion, it's kind of goofy and pointless, but it's over quick enough that I don't really care all that much about it. Eventually, Angel finds the Avengers at home. They are sitting on the couch watching television apparently watching the news and something horrific has happened because the quote we get from the television is resulted in the loss of 17 lives and now a word from our sponsor that seems pretty horrible. Now, as the Avengers are sitting here watching the news and whatever horrible thing happened, we get a little bit of meta-commentary in that they hear alarms coming from the vehicle center, and Hawkeye blows it off like it's just some other supervillain, like this is a daily occurrence for them. And to be fair, given the number of people who have broken into Avengers Mansion over 53 issues of Avengers, that is not an altogether unrealistic response. But I love how nonchalant Hawkeye is about it. It's really quite entertaining. Now, when the Avengers go to investigate, they do in fact find Angel caught in one of their security devices. Recognizing Angel, they let him loose, and Angel informs the Avengers as to the location of his teammates, and enlists the Avengers in going to fight against Magneto. Admittedly, in this sequence, I was a little surprised that Angel wasn't more exhausted. Given everything that's happened to him in the last couple of issues from being captured by Magneto to the rather bizarre events of X-Men 44. Very cool issue, but kind of weird. Angel encounters a man who is raised by a group of aliens that look like he does, ruled by a man very reminiscent of Prince Voltan from Flash Gordon. So Angel has this confrontation with this almost counterpart to himself, whereas Angel is this winged person raised by effectively normal humans. Angel's counter part is a normal person who is raised by these winged aliens. It's it's a very weird, very kind of Tale of Two Cities story. It's fun, it's weird, but the end result is that Angel has flown a very long way, been through a fight and some weird stuff, and he is surprisingly still very sassy. Now the other thing I really like here is that as the Avengers are getting ready to leave, Hawkeye makes a crack about coming along because there's nothing good on television, and Goliath calls him out a little bit and says, I know you've been dogging my footsteps to see if I needed help. And I find the growing friendly nature of their banter to be rather delightful. Hawkeye is trying to play things very, very cool, but Goliath calls him out on it. And instead of getting upset or getting angry, it's playful. And again, they're developing as a team, especially this pair who was almost constantly at each other's throats when Goliath returned to the team. So with this, the Avengers head towards Magneto's Atlantic Ocean Island hideaway, and as they approach the island, Wasp notices that there is an odd signal coming from inside the jet, and the Avengers discover a 
tracking device hidden under Angel's feathers. And the Avengers assume that, either intentionally or unintentionally, Angel must be in league with Magneto. And because they don't know which, they can't trust him, so they tie him up and leave him. Now, there are two issues here. First off is that I want to know why it took the Avengers so long to notice this signal. While New York is obviously on the East Coast, and this island may not be all that far off, they did in fact make it all the way to Magneto's Island before anyone noticed this signal was emanating from their ship. That seems like sloppy work on the part of the Avengers. The other thing worth noting is that the panel of them tying up Angel is a little bit uncomfortable when you realize that Angel is like 17 at the time. They're all high school-aged students. So the idea of them being involved in superheroics has always been problematic to start with. And then other heroes tying up teenagers just feels wrong to me. Now, for those who have read Avengers number 45 and who are now reading this issue, there are a pair of editorial notes between the two issues that point out a lovely little Easter egg that connects these two books. In X-Men number 45, which precedes this issue story-wise, if you're looking carefully and you also follow the editorial note, you will see a camera arrow that Hawkeye launches into the base. And that's how the Avengers first see Quicksilver and Cyclops talking. Here in Avengers, we see Hawkeye actually firing the arrow into the base. Now, I really love little Easter eggs like this. I just wish the editorial notes weren't there. I love finding these things on my own. It's a, a big reason I loved Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers so much is because almost from issue number one, there were all kinds of clues and things that after you've read the run and you go back and you look at these first couple of issues, it's all laid out right in front of you. Secret Wars was all there. You you just had to know what to look for. And it's so brilliantly done. So absolutely love the fact that there's an Easter egg here. I just wish that I as the reader had been let to find it on, on my own. Coming back to Magneto in his control center, we find that Magneto is very pleased with himself as everything has gone according to plan. Magneto actually placed the tracker on Angel so that if he did flee and go to the Avengers, that the Avengers would then be able to, it would give the Avengers cause to turn on him. Now when Toad questions this idea, and to be fair, Toad's not wrong in questioning it, Magneto not only dismisses him and hurls the standard insults at him, but actually smacks him across the room. And really, this is the escalation of the abuse of Toad that we're seeing here. Before, it was just verbal abuse and alliterative name-calling. This is actual physical abuse of Toad, and you feel bad for him a little bit. I mean, he's a villain, and he's kind of a crappy human being, a crappy person, I, I guess, but he doesn't really deserve that, especially given the fact that he is the one person who has been loyal to Magneto the whole time, right? The Maximovs haven't been loyal the whole time. Mastermind, in addition to not being loyal, is also super creepy. But by his side the whole time, there's Toad. Now, as the Avengers begin to explore Magneto's island, something snaps and the Avengers begin to fight amongst themselves. I just found this to be really annoying and frustrating. And as I read it, I just stopped inside to myself and went, oh, here we go again. Just as the team was starting to come together, now we're going to start fighting amongst ourselves again. What I do find really amusing is how much people complain of, oh God, heroes fighting heroes. Oh, that I'm so tired of that. We've been doing that so much in modern comics. I mean, this is 1968 here. Heroes fighting heroes. Avengers fighting amongst Avengers. 
Avengers, Avengers fighting the X-Men. It's not a new thing, folks. Eventually, Wasp is forced to step in, and she convinces the rest of the Avengers to stop fighting amongst themselves, and instead turn their attention toward Magneto. And while the Avengers agree, it's somewhat begrudgingly. In fact, Goliath actually says, Yeah, okay, I guess you're right, honey, but my heart won't be in it. Suddenly, superheroism has taken a backseat to Goliath. Of course, Magneto is watching all of this and decides that the time is right to activate his latest device, which will, in conjunction with the restraints the X-Men have been wearing, allow them to be easily controlled and manipulated by Magneto. So, as the X-Men gather themselves together, they are suddenly overcome by this wave and they decide that they need to instead destroy the Avengers. At this point to me the issue comes off a bit over the top. It's not bad but it turns kind of goofy and it's an odd example of Magneto power creep. And I don't mean creep in like the creepy sense, I mean creep as in like the inch forward sense. Power creep is a problem that a lot of superhero comics have where you slowly have to make characters more and more and more powerful in order to keep them interesting. Well, Magneto isn't exactly known for all of his super technological advances. He's not Iron Man, he's not Doctor Doom. So this whole crazy control device and these rays that help manipulate the X-Men just don't really seem to be within his bailiwick. Now the panel of the rays affecting the X-Men is super super awesome. It's got great colors and loads of Kirby Crackle and it looks fantastic. But again, I think it's outside of what I would generally consider to be Magneto's power set. Now with this, the X-Men find the Avengers and begin to fight them. In really a very vicious and and brutal fight because they have been so manipulated, the X-Men are out for blood and it is very obvious and it is one hell of a fight the avengers aren't exactly pulling their punches but the avengers don't want to hurt the x-men the x-men on the other hand are out to end the avengers they are out to kill so the fact that the avengers come out of it as well as they do is really quite impressive because in the end the avengers gain the upper hand and slowly wear down the x-men now when this starts to happen magneto is thoroughly confused what has gone on and he realizes that someone must have canceled out the commands he was sending at the last moment and lo and behold who should have done it but Angel. As it turns out, the Avengers and Angel realized that the homing beacon was in fact a plan. So the Avengers tied Angel's bonds very loosely so that he can easily escape, and Angel waited until the appropriate moment to literally swoop in and help save the day. So with this revealed, the Avengers come charging through a wall and after Magneto. Now Magneto, being the master of magnetism that he is, is able to put up a barrier to stop the Avengers from getting to him and immediately demands that Toad set the self-destruct for the base and they head toward the escape. Now, Magneto is the last one to reach the escape craft. So inside is Toad, Wanda, and Pietro. And just as Magneto is reaching them, the craft begins to take off and he leaps for the craft and realizes that his magnetism has no effect. He can't help 
push himself up to the craft. And as he gets a hold just by his fingers of the lip of the craft, Toad reminds Magneto that he built it out of non-metal materials so that he could prove that he could do it. And just as Magneto begins to demand that Toad pull him up, Toad finally stands up for himself, stomps on Magneto's fingers. Magneto falls into the water just as the island explodes. And the end panel of the issue is Magneto's helmet floating amongst the debris of the island. So I really love the ending of this issue. And although we see the Avengers here on the last page for just a moment, it's really not because of the Avengers that I like this ending. I love the fact that Toad learns to stand up for himself. Ever since Magneto and Toad have returned turned, Magneto has treated him like utter dirt. And after a while, it becomes difficult to watch someone get treated like that. So I really like the fact that Toad stands up for himself. And the fact that Magneto's animal farm-like some mutants are more equal than others has come back to bite him so badly. At the last moment when he absolutely needs Toad's help, Toad has had enough and he's done being abused and he turns on Magneto and Magneto suffers the consequences. Now unfortunately, the Avengers failed in their mission to bring back their teammates. Right, Wanda and Pietro escape with Toad. So we are still down to four Avengers. Though in my opinion, it is a nicely mixed team. You have a variety of skills. I think it's a little bit more balanced than the original four new Avengers. And we'll stick with this team for about another five issues until we introduce the Vision in issue number 57. And I think that's a pretty good lineup. And Vision makes for a, a really strong addition to the team. Overall, this isn't the, the best issue of Avengers we've read, but it's a solid issue. I think for Black Panther's first outing as a member of the team, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Black Panther does play a very strong role in this issue, I think more than any other single Avenger, but it would have been nice to have had kind of a solo Avengers outing without being tied into the previous X-Men story for Black Panther's first real team issue. Now having said that, the next two issues I'm super super excited about. These are two of the issues I have been waiting for since we started this podcast and that is issues number 54 and 55 and the introduction of Ultron, one of the great 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 villains. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. As I just mentioned, next week, we are going to be covering Avengers number 54 and deliver us from the Masters of Evil. All right. Hey. All right. Good job, guys. Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just... Take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.